Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinera. And I'm Taylor. And we are so excited to have you here again today, this week. We have an awesome episode for you today. We've actually um, haven't done one of these in a while, and we were doing them every month, the Q&As. And I'm kind of sad. We just had some really great guests, and then the summer came, and we had vacations, all that stuff. Um, But we're back with some questions, some really good questions. How are you, Taylor? I'm doing good. Yeah, we... I think we missed two months of the uh, Q&A episode, but we're back. So crazy. Yes, I miss them, actually. I really like them, um, but I think that, you know, what happens is people have questions and they ask me on my DMs and I kind of answer them back. And I feel like <laughs> I'm like, I should just keep us for the show because there's so many people that have the same type of questions. But anyway. We're back, we're here, and we're excited. Who wants to start? Do you want to start? I will start. Okay. First question. How to deal with insomnia from anxiety? Have you ever struggled with that? So, like, insomnia, I feel like it has a specific criteria for insomnia, you know, like certain number of hours you haven't for a certain number of days. I don't know exactly what the criteria is for, you know, defining insomnia, but have I ever not been able to sleep because my brain was racing? For sure. <laughs> right, right. And I, I think that's true. I think a lot of people like throw around the word insomnia, but I think some people like r- struggle really, really, really bad. But here's seven things I can recommend that you can try to help you if you struggle. So number one, establish a consistent sleep schedule, go to bed and waking up at the same time each day is so critical for your circadian rhythm. And the more that that's in sync, the more your body knows to like start releasing those specific chemicals in your body, such as melatonin and everything that we can like naturally make on our own starts to get released when we're on a synced circadian rhythm it's so important like i don't think people realize how important that is like even on the weekends you know how some people they're like they wake up early for work during the week and then they go to bed early during the week and then on the weekends they're like oh i'm just gonna sleep in and like go to then go to sleep at 2 a.m you know but that's like the worst thing you can do for yourself um for your circadian rhythm number two avoid caffeine nicotine and alcohol before bed all of these well i mean All these substances can disrupt your sleep cycle. I feel like that's a pretty common one, not to drink a cup of coffee right before bed. Um, And they've shown very, very crazy – because you know some people who will like have like a nightcap or something to help them sleep, like a drink? Uh Uh-huh. It it is shown to be so bad. Like, yeah, you might get like seven hours of sleep or eight hours of sleep. The quality of sleep that you're getting from that is so bad that it's almost like 
you're better off just like getting four to five hours of sleep instead of drinking this alcohol to help you sleep and not getting quality of sleep. So no, no. And don't actually be doing that. the ingredients in alcohol do the, have the opposite effect. People don't know that they yeah. think it makes them tired, but when it comes to actually the biology of what you're putting into your body, it does the opposite. Yeah. And then number three, exercise regularly. I am such an advocate for this because the days I don't exercise, I feel like it's so much harder for me to fall asleep at night. When you just like move your body, I feel like you got to get, you got to get your body moving. You got to get a little bit of a sweat on. I think it just helps like you wind down for, and your body to know it like did all it could today. It's just important. And then number four, avoid large meals and beverages before bed. Mm -hmm. There are so many studies on this too. Like a lot of people are like, oh, if I eat like heavy carbs, I just pass out. So they like doing that. Like if they'll have like a heavy meal right before bed, like my, my dad, he falls asleep so fast if he eats something like really high carb right before bed. Because it just, I mean, think about anytime you eat like a very high carb meal or high calorie meal, you just get so tired, you know? Uh, but no, that's really bad. That's it makes really me bad. Oh. It makes me feel so full and like uncomfortable full. Like uh, I can't. It's just, it's just discomfort and I can't sleep when I'm uncomfortable. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, well, it's definitely not going to give you quality sleep because then your body's in digestion mode your whole time sleeping, which it should be in healing mode because when we're sleeping, it's the most important time for our body to heal itself, not work on digesting. So the next one is creating a relaxing sleep environment. Make sure your bedroom is comfortable and free from distractions such as loud noises, electronic devices, and bright lights. I know friends who have now started putting their phone in their bathroom on their charger, which like props to them because I can't do that. That's the next step for me, but <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, That's impressive. Uh, next one is me, avoid honestly. napping during the Yeah. Yeah. Avoiding napping during the day. So if you're going to take a nap, I mean, you should keep it 20 minutes and under. Because anytime you're going to do a couple hours during the day, I mean, you're going to feel like you just restarted another day, you know? Like if you're taking a two to three hour nap during the day, your body's like, oh, we don't have to go to bed in six hours. Um, and then winding down before bed. This is so important. So taking time to read a book, calming music, or taking a warm bath, I think is so important because if we just go from our, say we go to the gym right before bed. And then we come home, we're rushing around the house, we're putting stuff together, bright lights are on. How the heck are you supposed to just go get in bed and go to sleep? You have to like get your mind ready in a calm state of mind, which like for me, if I'm reading a book, sometimes I get so bored, I just like go to sleep. <laughs> so that's something yeah. that helps me. But yeah. yeah, those are my tips. Loving those tips. I feel like I try them all the time and they, you know, I, I work on one and then I work on another and it just doesn't help. Have y'all seen the Barbie movie yet? Okay, I haven't, but <laughs> I have heard that it's really empowering for women. And as a woman myself, who is proud to be one and also a bit of a feminist, I love companies who create products that specifically cater to women's needs, which is why I love Red Remedies. Now, if you're a woman trying to conceive a soon-to-be mom or a new mom, listen up because... 
this may be news to you. Did you know that prenatal stress has significant effects on pregnancy, fetal health, maternal health, and childhood development? And stress has a significant impact on a woman's ability to conceive. Stress can also dramatically impact breast milk supply as well as its nutritional composition. I had no idea how much stress could cause, although maybe I did. So when a women's health expert contacted us, her name is Stacy Littlefield. She was actually on our episode two weeks ago, and she was available to come on our show. I was so excited because I had wanted to get her on for so long. And she's a master herbalist and product formulator at Red Remedies. So Red Remedies is a natural health solutions company that makes holistic herbs and supplements that are not just safe, but provide real relief and solutions for stress reduction and peace, emotional balance, and that support calm, healthy digestive systems. And they're all vegetarian and gluten-free, which is amazing. Now, as someone who isn't pregnant and isn't going to have kids anytime soon, I wasn't sure if these supplements were for me. But then Stacy started telling me on the episode that it's not just for moms or soon-to-be moms. The natural formula actually has a super ingredient called chaste berry, which helps bring hormonal balance to all women and also helps with mood swings, fatigue, and just overall discomfort associated with PMS, which is totally something that I struggle with. High anxiety during my periods all of that good stuff. So what does it mean by taking some of these red remedies supplements? Well, more confidence, more predictable and active lifestyle and less discomfort and tiredness each month. The product she noted that was specifically formulated for these moms, and I love this name by the way, is Peaceful Mama. Stacy is a master herbalist who has formulated a number of award-winning supplements, and she believes this one is her best yet. Don't forget, you can go to redremedies.com, that's red with two Ds, so R-E-D-D, remedies.com, and use our code anxietychicks to get 20% off. You can't find that discount anywhere else, by the way. Okay, my first question. How do I get through the stress of feeling like my anxiety will never end? Okay, so the first thing that comes to my mind when I see this question is just a statement that healing is not linear. And also that healing is a lifelong process. Some people might not like hearing that. Um, I think only because... It sounds daunting, right, to think, oh, my gosh, am I going to have this for am I going to be this uncomfortable forever? Am I going to be scared all the time? Is this just going to be how I live my life? And no, the answer to that is, of course not. There are ways to manage your symptoms, manage your anxiety. You know, um, Taylor has struggled with panic disorder for so much of her life. She's been panic disorder free for so long, you know, like. I mean, there are ways to manage your symptoms, but here's the thing. Life happens and different stressors and different challenges in your life are just going to happen as you move through life. You know, I had a very difficult, one of the most difficult years I've ever had in my life last year. My dad died. I broke up with, you know, one of my most serious boyfriends and there were moments I really didn't know if I was ever going to feel better, but I knew that time was going to move on and that I had to really um, 
go really deep, deep, deep into my toolkit and um, my supports and recognize what I needed in those those darker moments. And I was able to get through it. So, you know, was I much more anxious during those moments uh, last year? 100 percent. Am I was I am I feeling completely different? I mean, today I'm feeling good. The other day I had moments of grief. So really, you just have to remember that healing is a lifelong process and everyone's anxiety looks different. But if you can really figure out a way to manage those symptoms that are more intense symptoms that I know for a lot of people with anxiety, they struggle with on a consistent basis, like every day, a lot of physical symptoms. If you can learn how to sort of get them in check, manage them, maybe have a um, consistent process about healing, which includes having a toolkit, but also includes your support system, includes therapy, maybe medication, you know, then you can move through your life and these challenges in your life, knowing that, okay, you might get anxious again. You might even have a panic attack again in some point of your life. But does that mean you're in danger or you're going to die or like something catastrophic is going to happen? No, you can feel those feelings and know that they feel uncomfortable, but know that you're going to be able to move forward and that you will be okay. So that's my response. Mic drop. Okay, Taylor, what's your next question? <laughs> um, the next question is, do you ever get anxious thinking about being pregnant slash giving birth? And I think that a lot of people feel that way. I'm sure like every woman, it's such an unknown thing. It's nothing you've experienced in your life. I think you're going to have questions and be nervous or whatever. But yeah, I would say like if I overthink about it, I get very nervous. And I think just the feeling of like not knowing what's going to happen with your body how you're going to feel like, is it going to be a miserable pregnancy? Is it going to be a good pregnancy? Cause you hear so many different stories that I think the most important to, thing to do is just to have your own story and not listen to other people's stories or read about anything else. Cause you don't know what yours is going to be like. And so I think that's the best thing. I think nowadays people like with social media and all that bad pregnancies or like all these stories of like traumatic things are like just like posted out like really in your face where there's millions of good pregnancies every single day. And I think like a couple of my friends having kids recently has kind of opened my eyes to that is like, oh, look how like normal their pregnancy was. Whereas when you're on social media or the news or something, just kind of like everything, the worst is put in front of your eyes, right? You're like, oh, here's the worst case scenario, which you can have the worst case scenario with anything driving down the freaking street. So I think it's just perspective and mindset and knowing that like we were made to do this. Like we like that's how all of us are here, right? Everybody on this earth is here because, you know, we were in a woman and we came out. Um, so that's just reproductive health and life, right? I mean, we're just we just do it. That's how I think of it. So that's what kind of helps me from not having anxiety about it. But if I, yeah, if I sit around and I overthink it, I'm going to have anxiety about it. Yeah, totally. I hear what you're saying. I just, before I go to my next question, I think that that's been one of my fears too for a long time um, is just going into labor. Like people would always ask me, do you want kids? Do you want kids? I'm just like, oh my gosh, of course. Do I want to be pregnant and actually go into labor? No, never. 
I mean, just even as a young kid, I just never wanted to be pregnant. There's women that, Mm -hmm. you know, three years old are like, I can't wait to be baby in my belly. I'm like, no, thank you. Um, And even still, I don't really have a big desire to, but I hope, you know, to maybe adopt a kid one day, or maybe I will change my mind when I meet someone who knows. Um, But all of those things actually make me feel way more secure about it and comfortable. So thank you. Okay, my next question kind of connects a little bit to um, being pregnant, maybe not. Um, How do you deal with the disappointment of dating apps and anxiety with dating apps? Um, I love this because this is totally kind of outside the box of um, some of our anxious topics that we do. I know that I talk a lot about my dating journey on here a little bit, but more on my page. But I just wanted to answer this question for anyone listening, any of our single peeps listening, because I think when it comes to dating apps, oh my gosh, it is, I mean, I don't even know if anxious comes to mind. I mean, I'm just going to speak from personal experience here. It is frustrating. It's exhausting. It's anxiety provoking. It is discouraging. I mean, is there anything positive about it? No, because I haven't really met anyone off there yet. But if you ask my like, you know, five friends that I know that married, that are basically married from the people they met on the apps, they'll have a different version of it. So I'm hoping that's my future too at some point. And honestly, that's just what it comes down to. If you're feeling anxious about the apps or you're just feeling just on any negative type of emotion about the apps, my biggest advice right now is to take a break from them. As much as you want to meet somebody, take a break. Maybe it's a couple days. Maybe it's a couple weeks. Take a break. Delete them off your phone. Move along with your life for a couple, whatever you can do. Be like, do something. I started reading again. I don't think I've read a book for fun in, you know, like years because I, you know, was writing a book. I'm writing another one now. Whatever. I'm reading self-help things all the time. I read like a book for fun and I finished it in like a week and a half, which I don't think I've ever finished a book that fast. You know, take a break. That's just my biggest piece of advice when it comes to just feeling an adverse reaction to a dating app. Um, and also another, another thing that I'm trying to learn to do is to have fun with it instead of being connected to the outcome of anything. So, you know, I used to go on dates and I used to start even messaging these guys thinking, oh my gosh, like he's so cute. And oh my gosh, we have some messages back and forth. Like this guy's perfect. Wow. I could totally see bringing him to my family function. You know, I would just like predict the future with this person. I didn't even know. I didn't even go out with yet. So now I try to have fun with the guys that I talk to and go have fun with the guys that I go on dates with without having this, you know, complete attachment to an outcome. So I'm meeting somebody, right? I'm very mindful about it. I'm going out, I'm I'm messaging someone, I'm talking to them. Oh yeah, I like them. Do I want to go on a date? Sure. Maybe we'll go do that. But I'm not automatically attaching myself to the outcome that this person is going to be my, you know, Prince Charming and he's the one. Like you just have to not do that. So those are just some tips that I found that are really helpful when you start feeling like you just want to, you know, with the jump out the window with the apps. It is, it is literally, I just feel your pain. Anyone listening, I just feel it. So that's my think, answer. <laughs> I think a lot of people feel that way. I think you're super not alone in that. I think so too. Thank you. 
Okay, next question. Why does your throat feel like it's closing up with anxiety? Have you ever felt that? Oh my gosh. That's basically one of my biggest triggers. I struggle with acid reflux and that was my, like not the first panic attack I had, but one of the worst panic attacks I had was because I had a horrible reflux or whatever. And then I started having a panic attack. So then my throat closed up even more anyway. Yes. So the feeling of a closing throat or tightness in the throat is a very common symptom of anxiety or panic attacks. Um, anxiety triggers the body's natural stress response, which leads to the release of the stress hormone adrenaline, like adrenaline. Uh, these hormones can cause physical sensations such as increased heart rate, you know, rapid breathing, muscle tension, and the tightness sensation in your throat. So you actually have a lot of muscles in your throat too, like just around your neck, not really your throat, but around your neck. And so when we're tense and tight and adrenaline's being released in our body, I mean, it just all kind of happens. A lot of people feel like their throat is closing is like, so it's feel like I'm doing like air quotes because your throat's not actually closing. It just feels like it is. Um, they don't really know, like, I don't think any study has fully shown they exactly why this occurs but but i mean to me it's like if you have muscles that you're tensing from anxiety you're definitely going to tense in your neck and stuff you know and then if you're um your body's also you know redirecting blood flow when you're panicked and so when you're redirecting blood flow to essential organs to basically fight or flight away uh that can lead to that feeling as well um Anxiety can also cause hyperventilation or rapid breathing, which can also lead to throat tightness. Um, it's definitely, 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 though, a very common symptom. And I think a lot of people feel that way who experience anxiety. Yeah. Like I said, it, it is literally one of the scariest moments of my life when I had that um, happen to me because now looking back, I really didn't never had a horrible reflux episode like I did, um, which led me to actually have an endoscopy, which is what basically they told me I had GERD and stuff. Um, and at that time, I was actually very dysregulated when I was eating. I had like I was standing up and eating a piece of chicken and rushing out the door because I was supposed to meet someone. And mm. I literally remember just feeling now thinking back calling my mom and then like thinking I was like choking but I wasn't because I was still breathing and I'm like but we I think I'm choking though and they're like no you wouldn't be able to breathe if you were if you were choking and I was like well what's happening I, I literally had no idea what was going on and then it wasn't just the reflux because I started having a panic attack when it happened so it was even more constricted and so it is probably anyone listening that understands it. It is one of the scariest types of physical symptoms, you know, you can you can have um, along with, you know, like shortness of breath. And, you know, all of that makes you just feel like you're dying. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the worst thought ever. It's so scary. Um, but honestly, I have my reflux pretty under control. I am on medication that I'm trying. I think I've told you guys don't want to be on it for much longer, but um, that's not the only thing that helps. I eat a lot more mindfully too. Um, I don't, mm -hmm. I know what foods will in, inflame all that stuff. Um, 
But, you know, also when I'm not even eating and it's not reflux and I do get anxious and I feel like my throat is is closing or it's like I just feel the tension in my throat. I actually do breathing exercises and they oh, my gosh, you know, that activates the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, It really and also the cold temperature. So I'll put like ice on the back of my neck. And anyway, those can be really helpful. So Thank you for that. Okay, next question for me. Okay. So someone actually asked, I'm curious how Allison is doing after a year since her dad died. How was her grief? Um, A couple of people asked that. So I figured I would would answer. Um, Okay. So the anniversary of his death one year will be August 23rd, and it's August 2nd right now. Um, And so... It's in a couple of weeks. We've already started talking about like what we wanted to do to celebrate him and all of that. And to be honest, it doesn't even feel like it's been a year. Um, Grief is such a weird thing. And I know we've talked a lot about grief on this podcast. There's a bunch of different episodes about the anxiety of grief. You guys go back and listen to it, um, to a bunch of them. And I just think that it comes in waves. And so... You know, I've I've become so comfortable with crying. I used to hate crying when I was younger and didn't want attention on me, like would apologize all the time if I started crying. Now I literally just cry wherever I am. If a stranger comes up to me in the grocery store and they're like, are you OK? I'm like, sorry. You know, I honestly sometimes I'm just like, sorry, I'm just thinking of my dad. He died last year. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I literally tell strangers this sometimes just because it's real life. And why should I hide that I'm hurting? It doesn't mean that it's going to be like that for the next 10 years, you know, but I do have moments where I just allow my grief to come in and it comes in waves. If I resist it, it's kind of like anxiety. If you resist it more, it becomes stronger and it almost like overpowers you. But if you embrace it and you have, I just have a different relationship with grief like I do with anxiety. Um, Neither of them define me. It's a part of life that I know I'm going to have to, you know, move through and I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not in danger. Um, Feeling uncomfortable doesn't mean danger either. I used to think that I was in danger if I was sad or if I was scared um, or if I was mad, you know, like very dysregulating. And now I just feel them. And so it's the same with grief. And I will say one thing. I think I talked about it on the last couple episodes. Um, You know, it's joined a support group for um, people within my age range who lost a parent and, um, we still see each other every month and we go to dinner and it's so nice. I text them sometimes when I'm having those moments and they just really understand, you know, I'm just like the wave came through again today and I'm just crying right now. And they're just so supportive. So having a support system through grief, I would think is, I think is probably the most you know, healing type of treatment for when it comes to grief. I used to work at a bereavement center. And so having, you know, I used to work with kids who have lost a parent and, you know, the community there and just going through grief, knowing that there's other people who can relate to you, who really understand what you're going through. First of all, obviously we all love being around people that understand us, but also when it comes to grief, it's another layer because you're all there because you're missing someone. So like 
being able to have people around you because you're feeling lonely or you miss somebody, it's more connection with other people that you're missing from that person that you loved. So um, that's really been such a force for me and being around my family and talking about him, talking about him all the time, having pictures around, um, you know, keeping his memory alive. But, you know, I'm been down at my shore house for a little while where it was his happy place. He basically built it with his you know, he built it up. He did so much to make it what it is. He was the happiest he was here. Um, and so it was really hard for me to be here at first. But now I, f- I feel so happy and want to stay here all the time because that's where I feel him the most. So just let yourself feel things. No, you're not alone. This is such a part of life, which, you know, sucks. But, you know, I always think too, without grief, you can't have hope and love. You know, there's, I forget there's, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's something like grief is just displaced love or something, or, you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, so I'm doing okay. Thank you for asking. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. Like, I feel like you've been so strong. Like, I remember even just when we first started the podcast, we would talk about like, you know, our biggest fear of like losing a parent. And you just seemed like it would be like the it, it would it would ruin your life forever. Remember when we would talk about it, you'd be like, like, that's my biggest fear in life. And like, here you are going through the motions and you you realize that, yeah, it's like really hard, but you're okay. Yeah, no, I remember that so clearly. And honestly, that um, thought, it's just so interesting. I'm just thinking about it now. I'm feeling like I finally feel like I will be okay when when my mom isn't here. That's mm-hmm. still struggle for me a little bit, but I know I will, I know I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Before, you know, I had I had really bad episodes. I had a really bad depressive episode and it was all relating to that and losing them and thinking I what am I going to do and be alone and all this stuff. And yeah, I've come a long way thanks to a lot of different healing tools yeah. and therapy and, you know, moving through life and just really recognizing who you have and um. Yeah. So you're not, you're not alone. In some ways, kind of a blessing for you to go through anxiety and depression earlier in life before losing your dad, because I feel like it gave you those healing tools. You know what I mean? Like imagine if you say you had like, you know, anxiety and depression and you never just really, it never got to that threshold where you finally were like, okay, I need to get like help myself. And then you lose a parent. Like I feel like things like that are when people maybe find our page because that's when it finally hits that threshold for them of like, oh, this is really bad. And then they don't have those healing tools. So I think it's, even if people aren't struggling or maybe slightly struggling, I don't think it's ever too early or too late to get yourself help. But I think sooner than later is so important to prevent those. Because in life, we're going to, people are going to, we're going to lose people in our lives, right? That's just life. And I think it's really, really hard if you don't have healing tools to help you. I think that's what's helped you so much. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's it's interesting you say that because I'm actually working with some people who I can identify from a clinical 
you know, lens that they definitely have this deep rooted fear of this because I've been through Mm -hmm. it and I know what that looks like. And they have this very deep rooted fear of losing their parents um, or a parent and not knowing and almost their anxiety is almost connected to that, um, that, that thought, that fear, and they almost can't even talk about it. And so that's Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to help them with a lot of times in our sessions is trying to, you know, the acceptance piece. Yes, that's really what you want to get to. But even having some people try and start visualizing it and making it a reality that this really is going to happen one day. Um, That was very, very hard for me, for sure. I had so many panic attacks and, you know, my dad, you know, wasn't he was getting older and everything, you know, before really even knowing that's really what I was so scared of. And so and Mm -hmm. there's so many layers to it. But 100 percent, if you can start the process of really just recognizing that maybe this is a huge fear for you and that, you know, it's it's if it's really, really hard to think about and talk about, that's even more of a reason why you need to try and find someone in a safe space that that you can talk about with like a therapist or someone, um, even like, even go, even looking into some grief counselors, you don't have to have just this person you lost to go to a grief counselor. You can, it can be so, so amazing and healing for so many different ways, those types of clinicians. So, um, but thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, well, those were our six questions for this month. We hope you enjoyed them. Yes, I like them. And I like that they were kind of like succinct because it's like I feel some I feel sometimes that's kind of what I like, to be honest. I'm that's looking what, for yeah, an answer. As a listener, yeah, as a listener, that's what I'm like. I'm like, get to the juice. <laughs> right. That's what I like. I want the question and then give me the answer. So hopefully we're going to get to that format a little bit more if you guys like that. But um, we'll be returning well, for guys, our Q&A it, again. And yeah, it, it was wasn't so really good. Go oh, ahead. See, it wasn't really by choice, but we're having like audio issues. So we can't we couldn't really go back and forth this episode. So I hope that this all went through well and everything sounds normal. If not, don't hate us <laughs> or leave a bad review. <laughs> Yes, please. I'm, we're sorry if there's any kind of technical. We're trying to work with it today. Um, and our, we were having some technical problems with the platform, but we figured out that it actually sounded okay. So we hopefully it did for you guys. Um, please remember to like us and subscribe to us and review us, please. That would be so great. Um, make sure to follow the anxiety healer and health underscore anxiety and the anxiety chicks. We'll have some giveaways coming up. We have some good guests coming up. Um, check out the anxiety healers guide. It'll be in the show notes. Um, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.